When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass, the tactical podcast. My name is Haydar Rabani and I'm your host as ever today. We're sitting here, I'm sitting with Rob Blanchett and we're just live show after the game where Manchester United and Manchester City played out a pretty, pretty boring and pragmatic nil-nil draw, Rob. Um, welcome back and what's your thoughts on the game? Cheers, mate. Thanks. Um, I loved it. Why did I love it? I love it because Manchester United can't do these things. They can't play disciplined. They can't keep a shape. They can't not make mistakes. Today, they didn't make any mistakes. Yep, it was boring. It wasn't really your classic kind of Manchester derby. And of course, if that had been a full stadium today and I would have been there, of course, we'd have all been very, very hoarse by now with our screaming and it would have probably been a bit more dramatic. However, I do think that if Manchester United had played like this in their final two games in the Champions League, they'd probably got a point from both matches. And they would be through. Sometimes you have to do this, especially against teams that are better than you. And I think today, Manchester City came. They're a team in a kind of weird moment. You know, you could see they're not the Man City of the previous two or three seasons. And they've got their own questions to answer. But I thought Ole today, you know, it was very much a chess match. And it was very much a kind of Queen's Gambit on a football pitch. And United did what they had to do. And if they've got one of those breakaways or one of those counterattacks, they could have nicked the match. Yeah, I think it was, um, I mean, look, some people weren't happy. I think this is a good point. It is a good point. For me, I thought City were there for the taking. You're completely right when it comes to Manchester United. If they played this way, we'd be sitting in the knockouts of the Champions League. I think that's a frustration. We've shown that we can play disciplined. We can play pragmatic. Um, it's just uh, it's just frustrating, Rob, because I think this is the poorest City side I've seen in, a, in quite a while. When I'm looking at them play and I'm thinking, right, they weren't pressing us. They'd obviously learned from the previous uh, losses they sustained against us, where Oli got them on the break. They weren't necessarily creating too much. They looked shaky at the back. I think if you put a bit more pressure on John Stones for me, who's always been a bit of a bit of a weak link at the back, he we could have perhaps made more of it. And I thought some of our end product and our final balls were not really good enough. But as Ben says here, he's taken the words right out of my mouth. All all things considered, it's a good point. Yeah, look, I think. If Oli had lost this, we we would have been in a situation where perhaps we were looking at questions about his job, or there would be more about his job, wouldn't they, Rob? So, having taken all that into consideration, should United be happy just dust themselves off and look forward to the next game? Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, I don't normally subscribe that draws are a great thing. However, do you know if we got that draw against PSG or against Leipzig, would there have been great draws? Yes, because you're through. 
sometimes Manchester United, one of their big issues that we see, I think, season to season, certainly even back to the Fergie days, um, is that they are just not great at role-playing. Sometimes you just have to knuckle down, do the press, stay as fit as you can in, in the game. So you can see today with United, the last 10, 15 minutes, they look shattered. You know, they really, you know, all that kind of mental energy had kind of, uh, you know, ebbed away and all the kind of intent to keep pressing was waning as the game drew towards a conclusion. But today, United did the basics and they did them correctly. And I know people might say, well, that's what we expect. But we see this United team so often fail at the basics. Yep, there was no real cutting edge from United. I think, you know, when the ball, you know, you were trying to facilitate through Bruno, and that's obviously United's primary game plan. Bruno has to be perfect with the ball at his feet, and he wasn't today. It's not the first time we've said that. His press was fantastic. He was playing that kind of false nine role, dropping back in as a 10, playing the diamond, playing 4-3-3 out of possession. You know, all these things we'll talk about today. Uh, and he did all those things well. He didn't create, though. So if he doesn't create, United are in trouble. This is why the result was as it is. I agree with you. This is probably the worst Manchester City team that we've seen in recent years. But you can't play that. You can't start the match in that mould. You have to think that you're playing the best Manchester City team you've ever played because you know how they can hurt you. De Bruyne's still there. Sterling's still there. Maros was on the pitch. They're all there. It's just that what United did was that they negated what Man City are good at. And you saw as the game went on, City felt less comfortable in their skin. You know, they started to be a bit more conservative. They, they went slower and slower and slower and further back and further back and further back. United, you know, if it's a boxing match in the first half, United win that on points, but of course it's not boxing. And at the end of the game, I think Ole will come away thinking he's quite happy with a point, but I also think Guardiola will be as well. Yeah, Rob, I'm going to read out some comments. Thanks, guys. Make sure you get your comments in. We want to hear what you're thinking. There's obviously a diversity of views. I mean, all the sports pods saying here, disappointing performance overall, lads. I feel like we went into the game just wanting a draw. Um, whereas um, uh, Shersha is saying, but I'm more than happy with a point in a game like this, considering the situations we were in overall. Helly was saying as well over here, it was a decent point. Happy to see Shaw and Maguire really stepping up. Shaw, man of the match. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely talk about Luke Shaw later because I think Oli was vindicated in choosing him over Tellers. I don't think there was too much um, anger towards that because Tellers has struggled in a flat back four. But Rob, let's move on to the formation and selection. So when we saw the, the formation come out or the selection, we thought, right, 4-4-2 diamond. Looked like it'd be uh, Fred at the base, Pogba off the left, Tommy on the right and Bruno at the tip of the diamond. Off the ball, we both thought that it'd be a 4-3-3, with Bruno leading the press as a false nine. And it was no surprises, like I said just now, that Oli started with Luke Shaw at left-back. We know City have a lot of quality going forward. We didn't really see it today, but I think that was probably the correct decision. When I looked at the formation, I thought, right, United have got to get body in the middle of the park. They've got to disrupt City and get some sort of foothold. That's what City do really well. Block the midfield, clog the space, stop Kevin De Bruyne picking up the pockets, which is something I think United did pretty well. I thought the first half was 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 a good performance. The concerns were always, I suppose, how would we transition and what would our end product be like? What would our final ball be like? Going into the game, we actually played 4-2-3-1, Paul Pogba off the left, which was an interesting choice. I was happy to see Paul Pogba play. I think there's a lot of um, opinions said about Paul Pogba, but... Were you surprised to see United go for that 4-2-3-1 with Pogba on the left? Or do you think it was the right decision? Do you think, Or do you think United should have gone with the diamond? I, th I think overall the diamond shape, is that was that worried me before the game. Because I think if you play the diamond, it means that you've got one less midfielder who's a little bit more advanced rather than playing when you play 4-2-3-1. Now we know 4-2-3-1 is Ole's system. And there was times when they kind of switched. You know, there was a lot of switching in terms of putting Bruno going into going to force nine, being at the tip of a diamond and just alternating it as to where you need to be at that moment of time. So I think we saw that today with Pogba. Pogba didn't really go too far to the left in the three. He, he kept fairly narrow at times. He looked after the position well, both defensively, going back, helping Luke Shaw and also then on the front foot. It's just that United really didn't have any kind of creative bite today. So again, not the first time we've ever said that, but it's also been married with mistakes in the past. And United didn't really make any mistakes in the past. Uh, today, when you actually look at how they set up in what I thought was probably 
not the correct shape to look after the result and make sure you don't lose. Today was about not losing. Now, I'm sure that, you know, when they do the game planning, they're, they're thinking about ways of trying to score a goal and making sure that you can make get the best chance of getting three points. But also, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, after elimination from the Champions League, he is on a knife edge. He knows he's on a knife edge. His players know he's on a knife edge. And I think they played like that today. They made sure that they were disciplined. They made sure they worked hard. And I think today, one thing they did display is that they're still playing for the manager. You know, that wasn't a team that looks, you know, disillusioned with what they're being coached with. They didn't look like they were unhappy with certain jobs that they were trying to fulfill. You know, we can talk until we're blue in the face about what role does Pogba play? You know, does uh, Bruno, you know, is he more effective as a 10 or is he playing as a kind of false nine or playing as an eight? All of these tactical things we can talk about, but no one looks unhappy in the actual system. And you can always see, I think, in footballers, when they're unhappy, you see these mistakes and stuff that creep into their games or they're just not quite there, just a heartbeat off. And I thought United today worked hard, worked hard for their point. And again, you know, in one or two situations where United get in and around the box, you you get a better shot off, you can win this game. You know, United could have won this 1-0 today just as much as Man City could have won it 1-0. But they're a better team than Man United still to this day. You look at the players they've got, they've got better options. They came to Old Trafford today themselves not to lose after being beaten three times last season. And you could see that in their play. Yeah, I'm going to read that a few comments here, Rob. Barry saying, not a great City team, but still a bit better than us. Take a point, move on to easier games. Um, uh, Shersha saying here, the only thing, one thing I noticed was our wings are kind of toothless, especially the right. Either we stretch the wings using our wing backs, but thought we need a dominant midfield or use wingers, which I think the, the comments cut off there. But what I will say about the wingers, Robin, you've seen teams like, for example, Tottenham, who have played pragmatic, but what they've got is they've got two absolutely world-class players in Son and Kane you know, to execute or to, to finish chances. And I think what United probably are lacking at the moment is that quality. Because I think at times we did get in good positions. I thought Bruno's passing was off as well. I thought some of his... His passes weren't at the required standard or what we're used to. But looking sort of at our forwards, I, I didn't see I didn't see anyone I thought, right, if they get a chance. Maybe Mason, but Rashford for me wasn't really up to it. And I think that's United's problem. that You, can't, you don't look at their forwards and think, right, there's a world-class finisher there. And I think that's a bit of a problem for us. I don't think that we... I think we do look a bit toothless at times. And the problem is that when United do go more defensive, their attack looks like looks blunt. And when they go more attacking, the defence looks shaky. We've struggled to find that balance. I thought today, while good defensively, I didn't think we did enough to say, right, we could have won that game. Because I think City had two clear-cut chances. The, what, the Mares one and obviously the Sterling one. Yeah, well, I think if Marcus Rashford stays on side, and he should do, he should be able to look along the line. He gets fouled in the box, you get a penalty, you win the game. So I think United had as many opportunities to win the match as maybe City did. City have got more creativity. If you've got De Bruyne and Sterling in your team and they're running from unconventional positions from midfield, you saw Sterling was trying to exploit uh, Wan-Bissaka. And I think Aaron did a kind of good job in the second half. I mean, first half, it was a little bit shaky. Um, overall, I think when you kind of look at those balancing points, United in a diamond will always suffer than when they play 4-2-3-1. 4-2-3-1, you can sit a bit deeper, you can hit on the counter, the game is stretched, and you've effectively got four forwards bombing forward together at pace. In this formation, in a kind of 4-4-2 diamond, or call it whatever you want, a 4-3-3 shape, ultimately it's much harder to get runners into the box. Now, one thing I want to talk about, because I've said it for the last couple of weeks, Marcus Rashford is still playing with an injury. You can see he just hasn't got the pace because with that shoulder injury, he just can't press, he can't sprint. And it's affecting decision-making. I don't think he played badly today. But, you know, his job today at the front, at the top end of the pitch, was to press. And he did it 70%, 75%. But it then affects his starting position, his finishing position, where his opportunities come from, where he's doing his work. He's not doing the work of, say, where Martial was when he came on at the top of the, the pitch playing in a more of a 4-2-3-1. Much easier for Martial. I just need to go and press the last man. And if I get a chance in and around the box, I can take a touch and get a shot off. Not really the same game today for Mason and for um, and for Marcus having to do the work at the top in the first shape that United played. 
Um, but I think it's difficult. You know, I think if you're going there to, you know, to play a team that can hurt you in a, in a split second in a way that Man City can, you have to be slightly conservative. And that might take or blunt your attack when you think about going forward. And I think that's that was the case today. But this is why I'm not disappointed. You know, I think a lot of United fans who only want entertainment factor, only want victories of glory and magnificence, they'll moan about today. You know, they won't like the game. They won't like the result. You know, nil-nil, it's not interesting to them. One of the things in America, I cover American sports and done this uh, over many years, is that you don't have draws. So there's always this, this lean towards winning or losing. But of course, you're always trying to win. Football's different. You know, a nil-nil draw against a really good side still. I know Man City are not the best at the moment. They're still a really good side, though, at their core, the players they've got. They came to United today themselves conservative, playing slowly, playing, you know, more controlled. I think Ole deserves a tiny little bit of respect for that because Guardiola's looked at him and thought about the last three matches he's lost to him. And I think now Ole still has, is it? Three draws, two defeats, and one a uh, one draw, three wins, and two losses against Guardiola. Yeah, I think that's probably the best record in England against. Apart from, apart from Klopp, Klopp, I think Klopp's won yeah. three as well. So, yes, no. so you know, you've got to kind of take a step back sometimes. And after a kind of crushing Champions League defeat, you know, going out at a group stage, it was essential that United put in a good performance in terms of their workmanship. And they stopped Man City. Yeah, City could have won this game still 1-0. But I think United could have won it 1-0 as well. I think if Rashford times that run, it's definitely a penalty. You know, he swings, he kicks his foot. Marcus got to stay on side. You know, I'm critical of that. I always say strikers, look along the line, just time it. Because you're always going to get the first. You've got nothing in front of you. And Marcus just went a split second. And VAR doesn't miss those. Yeah, I agree. Look, what I really liked, Rob, was actually United's press in the first half. So what I noticed is that when Edison got the ball, so City centre-backs like to split. So you had Stones on one side and Diaz on the other. And when they split or when Edison had the ball, you saw Rashford push onto Edison and you saw Mason go onto one centre-back and Pogba onto the other. And then you saw the two full, two full-backs push up Wan-Bissaka and Shaw onto their full-backs. You saw the two defensive midfielders hold their position. And I thought that worked really well because what United were trying to do is City like to build, don't they, from Fernandinho and from Rodri. The balls into there, and what you saw then is Bruno and Pogba would would come back, and they would essentially try to get the ball back, and that's where United created a few chances. And I thought that was really well executed because when you compare that to Man City, they hardly pressed United's back four. I thought we were relatively comfortable. I know Maguire made one mistake, who I thought was he was fantastic today, but that was good to see that United went in with a plan and how to deal with it. And Oli deserves credit for that. I thought the press was good, and that's why I want to see United press more because. In the past two games against PSG and against Leipzig, United have been very disjointed, haven't they, in that press? It's not worked. And I do think that United have the capability to be a pressing side. But in terms of the planning, I thought it was, it was pretty spot on. Defensively, I thought we were good. What we lacked, though, was that execution. And you can have all the planning in the world, but if you can't get the execution right, then it's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I think as well, you know, I've said on this show many times that what you see with the setup for game to game to game is that Ole will be living in his head several games in the future. So this is how they would have been planning to set up against Manchester City. And they would have felt that last season was a good foundation, you know, beating them three times and feeling that they could take that into this game. And you saw that there was a confidence about United in their work today, even if there wasn't a cutting edge in the final third. That's that's a positive because after the Champions League defeat, United could have come out today, you know, licking their wounds. You could have seen two or three of them looking a little bit off the pace. There was none of that. Everyone looked locked in. Everyone looked committed. And I, that was the, the bare minimum that I expected today. I wanted to see that. I was worried that United would come out today and you'd get double jeopardy. So going out the Champions League would mean that they play City. They're not at their best because they're, they're low on confidence. Someone makes a mistake today. City nick it 1-0. And then we're not really talking about tactics or formations or did United do this or well or not. We're talking that United have now lost a key match in the Premier League. Uh, but I think one of the things they said on uh, on the TV in punditry was that at halftime was that both teams will go out for this now and try and win it. And I was like, what? Both teams are trying not to lose. And that's probably the correct mindset in this scenario because losing a game today becomes a huge story tomorrow. 
And United were aware of that. Guardiola was also aware of that. As Guardiola said before the game, when we win games, we're geniuses. And when we lose them, you want us sacked. And he was correct. And Ole is treading those boards at the moment. We have no doubt about that with the fan base. Is that you know lots of Ole in the people who kind of still love him and will love him till the end. And then there's plenty of United fans who I think are turning slightly and kind of being a little bit more open to a change of management. But ultimately, it will only happen if he loses games. So today he didn't lose this game. And like you said earlier on, it's time to move on to the next match. And that's how it should be. You can put this one to bed now. You didn't fail in your tasks. Rashford stays on side. You win it 1-0. And we're all jubilant tonight, aren't we? We're all saying it worked. Tick box. Didn't quite get there. I'm happy with a point. It was a good, solid point against a team that on their day is one of the best teams in the world still. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to start talking about Paul Pogba, so get your comments in. I actually want to hear what you want to say, because while obviously it was a, a tactical stalemate, I don't think, Rob, there's that much you can talk about tactically, because it wasn't the most entertaining game, obviously, going forward. But guys, we're going to talk about Pogba. So, Helly's got a really good comment here, which is exactly how I feel. Pogba was good today. Uh, he tied a little bit near the end of the second half, but generally speaking, I thought he linked up nicely with Bruno. Helly says here, Oli's going to choose his best 11 regardless of the noise surrounding players or the club. This is exactly, you've hit the nail on the head exactly how I feel because I saw a lot of people saying, and look, everyone's entitled to the opinion, but yes, what happened with the comments was not good. And I don't believe that those comments were the reasons why United lost against Leipzig. If anyone thinks that, if that rocked the team that much, it's absolutely nonsense in my opinion. I think what you saw from Paul Pogba is a player who is still committed. We know he's a professional, Rob. We know he works hard in training. And I, I'm pretty sure, Rob, maybe you can correct me on this, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have known prior to those comments coming out that Pogba wants to go. He he's talks to Pogba every day. I'm assuming the players know that already. For me, it's as long as Pogba is playing well, he's training hard, and he's showing quality, then he's still an asset and United should still use him. Why Why is this idea? It's, it's an emotional idea for me to go and put him on the bench, let him rot in the reserves. It's nonsense. He's still an asset. If you want to sell him and maximise the amount that you get for him as well, then you play him still. If he's playing well, if he's committed. If he's not, yes, you bench him. There seems to be this emotional response every time Paul Pogba plays. And to, for me, Rob, in the last three games, he's actually been United's best player or up there with the best performers. Do you think that's just such a neuroticism towards Pogba when it comes to you either love him or you hate him that people are blinded by that and uh, he just gets unnecessary abuse yeah I think we are a completely neurotic fan base at the moment and certainly in the last year or two it's got worse so Paul Pogba is part of that neurosis um let's do a little bit of background on it so there there was this talk around the football club uh, maybe a year or so ago where they were talking about Pogba's contract coming up. Everyone knows it's coming up not too far away. And the general consensus of feeling from Pogba's camp that was put forward was that he's happy at the club and that if Manchester United agree a contract with him, he will sign that contract. No noise, no kind of hot air. Uh, when Raiola addressed it at that point, he said exactly that. He said, we are talking to Manchester United. We'll be talking to him more in the future, to Ed Woodward, and we'll see where it goes. But let's just leave it as it is. I think what we've learned in the last week or two is that Manchester United cannot agree terms with Paul Pogba. And it certainly isn't that Pogba's charging the earth. It's just that he will want a better deal, like every player does. I remember this happening with, obviously, Wayne Rooney at, at one point. It happened with Roy Keane, Patrice Evra, Nemanja Vidic, all exactly the same situations of when their contracts are coming up, they want a slightly better deal. So Pogba wants exactly that. But we live in COVID times. Fast forward now, obviously, to the actual football. And, of course, United fans will use any stick to beat Pogba if they don't like him. And Raiola is looking now to move his client out of the football club. Because why? It means that Pogba gets the wage that he wants. It means Raiola gets the payday. And it means that with the big transfer to Juventus or whichever football club you get it, you're going to get all the fanfare that goes with it and the sponsorship and all the cash and all the kudos. That's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes at football clubs. The real life of a football club is on the training pitch. And like you said there, Ole speaks to his players every day. He knows exactly where they are mentally. I don't think Paul Pogba is affected by any of this. Pogba is used to being the superstar and he's used to being talked about. You know, there's other players that in years gone by that have had so much negative negative press, maybe in the similar terms, that they might have collapsed and their fall might have collapsed and you might have seen them, you know, the weight of the world on their shoulders. And Pogba just plays with his normal effervescence. He just does Pogba. 
And some people love that and some people hate that. You get people who love the way he plays with a kind of smoothness and other people saying, I want you to run harder, work harder, do more for me, please. I don't think Paul Pogba's putting his Man United shirt on at the moment with anything less than what he normally does. And I think we've seen that maybe in the last two or three performances. And I don't think we'll see a problem until the end of the season. What I will finish this part off with, we're saying about Paul Pogba and Manchester United, is I think it's got more to do with Manchester United ready to part with Paul Pogba than it has with Paul Pogba ready to leave Manchester. I think that's the truth. I think United have decided that they can either get value for money and moving him on and bringing someone else cheaper on a cheaper wage, maybe less hassle, you know, someone who's not going to take the limelight as much. And maybe Oli actually wants a midfielder like that, who actually goes and does the Kante work, as we call it. You know, we've talked today about other players in position. So we talk about Bruno doing the kind of Firmino job. And there's actually some kind of truth in all of that is that you aspire to kind of do the systems that are working in football at the moment. And you could say to Paul Pogba, well, does he work on the left? Is he, you know, is he going to be better as a 10 one day? Should he be the central fulcrum as a number six? There's lots of confusion around what Paul Pogba's best at, you know, and I think today is what he's best at on the left-hand side of a midfield. However, I think United probably are ready to move on from Paul Pogba. And that might be the smart thing to do. This is a long-term project under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Pochettino doesn't get the job for whatever reason, if Ole keeps winning games or keeps United near the top four or in and around that conversation. It might be the case that United allow Pogba to leave in January or even maybe at the end of the season and that they're ready to kind of bring someone else in who fits that mould of a player that they need. I've been touting Neves from Wolves, and lots of people said, oh, he's not playing, he's not as strong as Pogba, he can't, he's not as skillful. It's not, it's not about that, it's about role. what someone does in a team. And there's no doubt that United, whether you play 4-4-2 diamond, 4-3-3, United's weakness has always been defensive midfield and trying to join the dots. And Neves as a number six, has played plenty of Premier League games there. He can do it with players closer to him in a tighter system. He can do it in a more expansive system. He can play long balls. He can play short balls. He can work. He's got energy. He's not a destroyer, but you don't need one as a number six in the modern game. So someone like Neves, you could go and get him for 50, 60 million. You might be able to sell Pogba for a similar price or slightly more. And you balance your books in these COVID times. And Neves, crucially, will be cheaper on the wage bill than Paul Pogba. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I'm going to read out some comments. Lokesh is saying here, Pogba's doing the professional job and that's enough for United to get results. That's what it's about. That's, this is what I was trying to say today. Mm. You know, I don't sit here and I'm not going to get emotional at the fact that he's wanted to, he, those comments came out because he's wanted to leave Rob for two years. We've known that. United should have cashed in a couple of years ago. And they, I don't think he did. I don't he did from, I think he, from did. What we hear, I think he did. You think he did, but all I can relate to you is what we hear in our jobs from the football club and from the people around the player. So th there's no doubt. So if players want to leave, their entourage tell you. Now, we know Pogba's brother talks. We know that Raiola talks. It's very easy to take the snapshots of all the junk that they say and add it all together and turn it into a soundbite. The truth is, is that it was put to everyone that Pogba would sign a deal if Manchester United gave him the terms. Manchester United have not given him the terms because they just lost out on £100 million worth of revenue. That is why. This is business. The player isn't there sulking, going, get me out of Manchester. And you can't see that in his performances or his body language or anything he's doing. You know, you have seen players like Christian Eriksen at Tottenham go, don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to have a bit of a kip and just let football happen around me and then get benched. And you see the fans react to that. You're not seeing that with Pogba. What you're saying is a reaction to the tabloid noise about poor Pogba, not what's coming out of Pogba's camp or Manchester United. United were quite confident that he would sign a new deal up until about 10 minutes ago. It was only really this week where it's the, the the tone has changed. And I get that because I think once Raola does that, he's trying to move his man on. You know, he's going to do it with Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard's going to leave Man United in January because he's under mini Raola and Raola wants a move, you know, because he's got this guy rotting in the United reserves. I think Pogba will leave, but I think it's more to do with Manchester United now willing to let him go to try and change their direction from within. I don't think Paul Pogba is a problem at United. I don't think Oli sees that and... You can tell because he wouldn't play today. That was an issue. If that was the truth, he would not be in this team today. I think he worked hard. He did well on the left. It was good balance. And the two or three roles that he did do, I'd like to see Pogba have more chance to be creative on the ball. But it's more important that United are disciplined in every position, first and foremost. And creative creativity should come after that. 
Yes, fair point. We've got a comment here from Joseph. I think fans forget that Oli and the coaches see these players train week to 100%. week and reasons why certain players start. Yeah, now that was my point about Pogba. It's quite clear that he's obviously performing in training. Oli, and I saw a lot of fans saying, oh, Oli's letting him walk all over him. It's absolute nonsense. It's, it's just it's just rubbish because at the end of the day, I think Oli's strong enough to turn around and say, if Pogba's not pulling his way, you go, Paul, you're not playing. Did you, you know, hear, did you see what uh, what Ole said as well um, And uh, in the last presser before the game? And he said, there have been players at Manchester United at this football club while I've been here that haven't wanted to train and that haven't wanted to play. Those players are now no longer at the football club. But I know that Paul Pogba is working hard in training. I've seen him every day. I speak to him every day. He's ready. He's focused on his game. That's the manager saying that. Now, if you're walking a kind of tightrope that Ole is and you don't trust the player, especially when you know if you lose, you're going to have a gun to your head from the press and from the fans, you don't start Paul Pogba. He started him because he trusts him. And I think that there's still this situation where if United actually come up with the readies, they might even retain Pogba. You know, say Pogba's brilliant till the end of the season and United suddenly go, oh, we're not going to get a better player here. Maybe we should give him 250 grand a week or the extra 100 on top. Uh, fans won't like that because they never do but you might see that United go there isn't a better player in the market for us to improve the team or they, they don't someone doesn't to... come in Rob, yeah and don't him. forget don't forget for Raiola Raiola it's all about the money right for Raiola is a, is a businessman he wants his man to move on he wants to make money he gets a cut but if Manchester United offer um Pogba the deal they can also offer Raiola the money he wants and suddenly Minerola will be going I'm very happy with the Manchester United project my player has signed. Let's go. You know, let's do it like that. It, I think fans need to get with the picture of how football actually works behind the scenes. It's never as bad as they think. and It's never as great. And also, there's never these conversations between the players where they're thinking, oh, Paul wants to leave now. Oh, do I pass him the ball or not? Or will he, will he kind of be committed? They're not. They're all friends. They all play hard. They all work together. And I don't think we've seen any evidence on the football pitch in the players themselves that that these rumours bother them. They tend not to unless the player himself wants to get out. Like I just gave the Ericsson example. We might have seen that with Lukaku at one stage at United. Didn't look quite bothered, did he, at the end? Sanchez, Sanchez. Always, Sanchez looked a heartbeat off. You know, people talked about players like Damian who came in and out the team, didn't do very well. Delos kind of in and out. People said, oh, he wasn't given a chance. The manager can see in training whether a player wants to be at the football club. And I think all the ones that he can see want to be at United are still there. You know, the Chris Mullins have gone. It's not that they're bad. It's just a case that maybe their time had come. And that might be the case for Pogba. We might get to the end of the season and Ole might go, he's not the player I need in midfield. Let's sell him for 50 million, 60, 70 million, whatever we can get. And let's go and buy a player that fits my system. That would also be the smart way to run your football team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Yates, he really disagrees. He's saying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't have it in him not to play him like Sir Alex Ferguson would if the club have decided to play Van der Beek. A lot of people are saying, why is Van der Beek not playing if Pogba wants to go? What I will say to this is actually Sir Alex Ferguson played Ronaldo for two two seasons when Ronaldo wanted to go. If mm. they're going to do it on the pitch, it doesn't matter. It's, look, I don't, I don't want to say that it's not a problem because you want committed players, but at the end of the day, it's still a business. I think fans get so offended when a player says, oh, I don't want to be at United anymore. We need to get this, maybe this entitlement out of us that players will come and go. Some players like it at United, some players don't. Some players want to go. We shouldn't take it so personally. At the end of the day, if they're going to do a job for you, that's all that matters to me. I know some fans perhaps don't feel like that, but for me, it's about if Paul Pop is going to go out there and play like he did today, and for me, I'd much rather have seen Paul Pogba than, say, Matic playing. I know they're different positions. And I probably would have preferred to see Pogba play instead of Van der Beek because I think Pogba's a better player than Van der Beek. And I think he would have played the role better than Van der Beek. But I think Van der Beek should have come on for Paul Pogba maybe 67th or 70th minute. I just think that fans are getting so wrapped up in what Raiola's this or what Pogba's done. And it's just it's nonsense, really, Rob. Yeah, just looking at the transition of those two points, you know, one thing that Raiola wants to do is he wants to upset you the football fan. He wants you to get on social media and scream and, and cry and generate traffic. So if that's what you're doing. He's happy because that's what you are doing. I think when you look at positions and players, you know, what they should be doing and, and how you set up, I'll go back to the chess metaphor because football is a chess match. Yeah. Where you move your pieces, how they work within your game plan. There's no doubt that in today's game plan, if you'd played Van der Beek doing the Pogba role today, United probably lose the game. And what I mean by that is you leave 
a space open that Manchester City can exploit both behind the player and in front of him. Van der Beek can press. He's just not great at it. And like I said to you before here, you know, he can be a six, he can be an eight, he can be a 10, but it's a sliding scale. He's better as a 10. He's all right as an eight and he's not that great as a six. And to the side of a diamond, he could play it. And I would be happy to play him that diamond against a lesser team. But my God, if you've got De Bruyne anywhere within 10 yards of that player, you're going to get hurt. And this is the problem I think fans don't see because it becomes a popularity contest. I personally wouldn't have brought uh, uh, Van der Beek on to, for Pogba in the last 20 minutes because I think then you might have lost your shape. You might have actually lost the energy in the system. But see, you could have bring on substitutes and try and say to yourself, right, hang on, you know, I'm trying to, you know, bolster a certain position. And I think Martial coming on made sense because they went to a 4 2 3 1. And they went to kind of a shape that they that they normally start games out at when they're playing a bigger opponent. So that made sense to me. But bringing in Van der Beek, who doesn't make, match Pogba, Pogba's skill sets, both on the ball, off the ball, whether it be physicality, whether it be kind of reading of that position, it's not position. He doesn't play on the left in that role for Ajax previously. It's not what he does. I think you'll be coming in onto him saying to him, right, come and sit in our system that you're still learning after all these weeks and go and play against one of the best teams in the world and do it, please, with with De Bruyne running in and around you. I don't, that's, I don't think that's clever, not, not tactically, not in a chess match. Pogba did okay. I was surprised he went the whole 90 minutes, but I'm also not surprised that when it got to like 80 minutes, both managers kind of conceded a little bit and went, we both are not too displeased with a point. So we just slow it down, we keep our shape, we do our work, and we just see it out. Um, if United were going for a win, yeah, bring bring Van der Beek on. Bring him on, look for him to link the play and go and do it. But I think both managers were happy with the point at that stage, going to the last 50 minutes, and they all looked shattered by then on both sides. You know, it's not always a case of you change it. Sometimes you can kind of lose your shape because you're bringing in players who are either not trained to do that role or they're just not as good as the player that's already on the pitch. So you keep the better player on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yates has got a comment here again, Rob, saying, I get what you're saying, Rob, but my point is Sir Alex Ferguson always made every player feel part of the team and needed. Can, can I respond um, to that? And, uh, can I respond yeah, to that? Yeah, I'll, re I'll read out the second yeah. part to it. So, yeah, I'll let you respond. So, Solskjaer seems, doesn't seem to show that too much to Van der Beek. I get Paul Pogba and Van der Beek are totally different, but both can be assets uh look I, I think that is quite a we don't know what's going on behind the scenes i don't think van der beek he cares about van der beek less than pogba it's just a fan's perception of it yeah. fans he, van der beek's a new signing he's a new asset everyone wants to see him play we all do and it is frustrating for me that i don't think he has been given as many minutes as i would have liked but i don't think it's a case of Oli prefers him and he prefers pogba and pogba doesn't deserve to play i just think it's getting caught up in all the emotion let's just be yeah. objective about it today totally. was today was um the formation 4-2-3-1, spot on. Today, I would have seen Pogba on the left and thought, mm, not too sure, we'll see how it goes, but I would much rather have seen Pogba there. It worked, that's it, done, let's go to the next game. We don't need to analyse whether Oli likes Pogba, whether he doesn't like Van der Beek. It's, it's just pointless. It's hearsay, and, and the thing is, again, I can only give my perception from what we're told in our jobs and what we do, and, and we kind of hear directly from people and that you can never say hello are you actually lying to us or any of that all you can re relay is what you hear the big point we hear about Ole is that he does manage the squad in a very similar way to Fergie he gets in with players he looks after them he's you know he's kind he's generous he does all of that but he's also a taskmaster if you're not doing the work you are out of the football club and that's how Fergie was you know, Fergie's squad management wasn't just about putting his arm around the David Beckhams of the world and looking after him. It was about everything else that went with it, you know, having that connection with the people that work in and around the scenes at Manchester United, keeping the holistic football club running. That's one of the things that Fergie was a master at. But that was old school. I think I think Ole's closer to that than certainly the last three managers that we had before him. So I think when, when fans say this, it is a perception and they say it in a way that it's because they feel spited. They want Van der Beek to play. They don't want Pogba to play because of what's happened in the press this week. Therefore, fan thinks this, and those two things don't meet. So it's like, well, I want Van der Beek to play. And as I heard lots of United fans say in the last week, uh, obviously mainly through the portal of Twitter, I never want to see Manchester, I never want to see Paul Pogba wear Manchester United shirt ever again. And I just think that that's a juvenile response. 
I just think that's not the way football clubs work. It's not the way sport works. You have to get your most out of these players. I can guarantee you that if Paul Pogba was a problem in Man United, he wouldn't start today. 100%. Because Ole doesn't suffer fools gladly. We saw it with Sanchez. He was gone. We saw it with Lukaku. He was gone. And we we can say, look, Lukaku's done really well in Italy. We always knew he would. He's a great striker. He can score you goals. But he didn't fit Ole's system and he didn't fit the ethic of what Ole was trying to instill, certainly at that point in time. Uh, it's, it's It will run and run until Pogba's gone. You know, I do think Pogba will go eventually because I think United want to sell. I think that's what we're hearing. And... That will be the end of the saga between Manchester United and Paul Pogba. As it stands, who do I start today? Pogba or Van der Beek? I start Paul Pogba. He's just better in that position. And Paul Pogba showed today that there was nothing really wrong with what he was doing. You know, imagine if Pogba had just got that opportunity to open the defence up and play the ball through and played Marcus in or played Mason in. It never happened today. But if it did and you get that winning pass from Pogba, that's why you have him there because he can play that pass. I'll tell you what, Van der Beek can't. He's not a ball player like that. He's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant making runs into the box, those late runs. He's a very clever player. His spatial awareness is fantastic. He's good with one-touch football. He's, he's tidy in possession, but he's not a passer. He's a, he's a Lampard. He's a Lampard, not a Gerrard. You know, he, that, that is what he does. He wants to be second man arrival, coming deep, either from the 10 position centrally or coming slightly from the sides, from into the channels. He wouldn't have been able to do that today. Today would have been all the dirty stuff. You know, you need to stay goal side. You need to make sure that the players that are in front of you, you have to keep marking. You know, you, have to, you can't let up for one minute in a 90-minute match against Manchester City. Why? Because they'll beat you. So today, United did all of those things really well. I think, you know, we'll talk about individuals as we move forward. We'll talk about, I think, Luke Shaw. I think it's really interesting today how he played. He was really good. I think kind of look along the back line. You know, I think the whole back four was pretty tight overall. I think Aaron in the first half, one or two issues, but but kind of sorted them out, got, got tighter to Sterling in the end. And just the general ethic of the football team in terms of their work, I thought was quite good. Let's move on to Luke Shaw, Rob, because uh, you've segued into it. I thought he was good today. I completely understood the reason why we signed him. Let's be honest, whilst I'm excited about Alex Tellez, and I'd like to see United play with a more of an attacking-minded fullback than Luke Shaw, Tellez defensively would have been the worst choice today because he's really struggled. And we knew that. We've said it many times in this podcast. Tellez is more comfortable as a wing-back. He's going to have to learn that side of his game. He's not comfortable in a flat back four. When he played at Porto, he played left back. He was almost like a winger. He was there attacking creative outlets. So naturally, Luke Shaw got dropped. Shaw, for me, doesn't do much going forward, if I'm being honest with you. But defensively, I thought he was fantastic. Ferran Torres came on and gave him um, a bit of a bit of a run at a few times, but he did well to recover. And this is the thing. United haven't shown that solidity at the back. And this is the same back four, by the way, that's much maligned. And I still think there needs to be more quality added to it. But on the whole, Rob, United were pretty much unscathed. I wouldn't say that United were um, particularly troubled. A few chances from City and that's a good place to build off, isn't it? Yeah, again, and I think we, I agree with you. And I think it's trying to look at what the matchups are. So I think if Aguero's fit today and plays, it becomes a very, very different matter. If, if Shaw's looking on his inside, seeing Sergio Aguero there, or he's seeing some of the runs that Gabriel Jesus makes, which are kind of unconventional and not towards the number nine position, you know, not beyond the penalty spot, it's a lot easier to play. So that's the first kind of part of it. I think what Shaw did really well today in what was effectively a flat back four was that he pushed up against his man at the right time. So all his timings were really good today. He left no space in behind. I think later on in the match when he was a bit more tired, there was one or two errors creeping into his game. But overall, he played the position well. Whereas I think in the last game in the Champions League, you could see that he'd been out the game for a bit, just wasn't as sharp. He got those minutes in his legs. And today he was good. And I think you have to give him credit where credit's due. Now, you're right. I think Tellez doesn't fit that system at all today. I think he gets probably done in the channel. He probably gets done on the outside as well, which is the issue getting done on both sides. And I think City would have looked at that and they would have exploited it. Now, what they tried to do instead was they put Sterling right wide on the left. So they looked at it that way. And Mares really today had nothing. So Mares is a very tricky player, comes into the channel, can beat you on both sides. If he gets you on the inside on his foot, can shoot with both feet, yeah. can hurt you. Didn't happen today, not once. And I give credit to United's defence for that rather than saying that Mares is suddenly a bad player, which is what would happen if it was the opposite. United would be saying, United fans would be going, that player's not good enough. However, I don't think it's that. I just think today that Mares, you know, scored a hat-trick the other week. Today, he didn't get a sniff. But also, Raheem Sterling on the left, who got a lot of the ball, 
didn't really kind of find the space that he wanted around Wambasaka when Wambasaka looked a bit shaky in the first half. In the second half, I would say more than anything that United came out in that first 10 minutes and retook control of the game. So for me, that was pleasing because that's the point where you might see City come out, have a reaction because Guardiola's ripped all their heads off at half time, and they're going out there with an extra bit of kind of energy in their veins. We didn't see that. We saw United kind of go back to what they were doing well. And then United's defence, the balance was there. I was worried about the pacing behind Lindelof, Maguire. Maguire did all the positioning work really well, didn't get two types. A couple of times where I thought, don't foul the player in the box. And it didn't happen, thankfully. But it was a good balance today. And the back four, they need to show more consistency like that. They have done previously. And that's why Ole, I think, goes back to these four players and plays them as a four because he feels he gets the most defensive consistency from them. However, as you pointed out there, there's not really a lot going the other way. But today, there didn't need to be. I think when you look at the three, two or three formations that United did kind of play for certain points in the game, it was really more about having that solid four and letting everyone else doing their work around that. Yeah, they pushed to a sort of a 4-2-2-2 at one stage, which was quite interesting. Yeah. We saw Pobre on the right, then we saw um, Bruno on the right. And it was interesting because I think that it shows some flexibility, but that's when you need your fullbacks to provide the width, Rob. When you're going to play with, you know, sort of, I, I suppose, without wingers and two up top, you need the you need the width from the fullbacks. And we know from these two fullbacks, I mean, Wan-Bissaka, there was a, a statistic that came out during the game that I think out of his last 12 crosses, he's only one has reached a man or or been or hit the target that's meant to be, which is a problem. So I think for today's game, that's fine. But obviously going forward, you can't really be relying on a, a Wan-Bissaka and Shaw uh, fullback partnership if you want to go and break teams down that are going to be sitting deep. It's a historical problem for Manchester United, but I also kind of think in terms of credibility of talking about it for us here on our podcast, it's difficult because we can just say the same things every week and talk about the same problems that Wan-Bissaka has. And I said this in the last podcast, that we need to kind of shy away a little bit from it because we all kind of know what the problem is. I, I, I don't have an issue with it in, with its in certain systems. So these two players are not going to give you width if you're playing a narrow midfield. It's just not happening. Yeah, So you have to kind of say, right, what's the first thing you want to do? stop the opponent, let the creative players go and do what they've got to do and then try and find and pick the lot. I always talk in football about getting the key and finding the correct door to put the key in because not every key opens every door. And I think with Manchester United, yeah, eventually if you get a fullback that can be progressive and give you that, you know, beautiful flowing football going in the right direction, then great. And we can start talking about those systems. But as it stands, there's a bit of a stalemate there. And it was more about today saying to Wan-Bissaka, do not allow the player to run the channel inside of you. Keep Sterling on your outside because that's where you're going to make less mistakes. And that's really key to keep it simple for the player. That's what they would have said to him before. And for Luke Shaw, it was exactly the same thing. Keep Mares on the outside of you. Look after him. Get to the ball first. These might sound real basic things, but this is what's in your preparation packs about how you deal with your opponent. And that's how United set up today. And it worked. So I'm not too high on the whole kind of lateral conversation about let's talk about United having more flying fullbacks. We've got Tellers at the club. We know he can do it. You know, if United want to do that on the left, drop Shaw, put Tellers in and take the risk. But I agree with what you said at the start. I don't think you do that today. You, you, you put the players in that you know can do those roles. And yeah, I think, you know, when the January transfer window opens, maybe then we start talking about right back options, do you bring in someone that actually gives you a bit more upside going forward? 4-2-3-1, ideally you would have fullbacks that could push on, but at the same time, this Man United team is limited still. It really is in terms of having a better squad, but limited in role players who can actually make you pop at that moment when you maybe want a, a moment of magic. I don't want to see any of my fullbacks going forward. I looked at um, Carl Walker and was laughing at him today because this was yeah, not was bad, but Carl Walker needs to be disciplined today because he's that close to Marcus Rashford he needs to say I'm not going beyond because if I go beyond Marcus Rashford's going to kill me so he got caught for, and it was really lucky for that penalty because that's a penalty you lose the game and it's because you made the mistake of just wandering the wrong side of the player and not looking after your defensive duties now I couldn't say that about Shaw or Wan-Bissaka today, I thought they did all of that perfectly compared to, say, Manchester City's fullbacks who are more progressive. But sometimes you don't need to be progressive. You just need to be good at doing your job. 
Today was perfect for Wan-Bissaka, Rob. This is exactly where... How many of his best performances have come when he played Raheem Sterling and he's absolutely uh, yeah. dominated him? And that's where he excels, you know, the amount of times he does those slide tackles. He likes it when you can show his man, or the, whoever the winger is, the, the touchline, yeah. and he's perfect. As the 1v1 defender, can slide tackle, timing it per perfectly is fine. The problem is, is what we've seen is that you need more from modern day fullback. Yeah. We, spoke, we speak about Wan-Bissaka every single week, so we're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Marcus Rashford, Rob. Struggled a bit today, didn't he? He's still looking not quite right. Playing through an injury again. Is it time that Oli gives him a rest? I think Martial needs to play a little bit more. I think Martial needs to play himself into form. What do you do, though, in that sort of left-wing position? If Cavani's not back, do you start playing Dan James, which I'm sure the the fan base will not be the happiest about? Um, or do you play Mason there and do you go and look to play perhaps matter on the right. I mean, Oli's quite limited in his options now, isn't he? So it seems like Rashford's playing all the time because of the fact that there isn't really much more you can do. Yeah, I don't think he's limited in his options. I think he's got options. The, the issue is what system do I play and what do my players do in the system? So the reason why he's playing Rashford is that he believes he'll get the most out of him in terms of the press, in terms of the work rate, maybe a moment of magic and having the kind of raw pace to exploit the channel. So he plays Marcus. My issue with that is, is that if a player is not fit, he can't do any of those jobs in a kind of excellent way. Now, if you think about it, again, if Rashford times his run, gets fouled in the box, United win the game because Bruno puts away a penalty, then it's Marcus Rashford that's won you the game just through that moment of, of running from deep. So you're then justified. But of course, in a nil-nil, people can kind of say, oh, well, you know, should you have started him? I totally understand why he's starting him. You know, he's the life and soul of the football club. I don't like seeing players who are not fit playing, but depending on what your system is, you have to think about, does Martial do things certainly better in this role than Marcus does or Mason does or Cavani? That's the cocktail. That's where you have to kind of find the correct ingredients to actually shake it all up and create something that works. I think when you look at um, Martial, uh, there was a lot of kind of bad vibes around him with fans before the game and saying, oh, I don't want him to play, you know, all along those kind of lines. I think he's been sick, so that's a difficult one because you've got assessors that are you ready? Now, he was probably ready to play 20 or 30 minutes today, which he did. Didn't look like he had a lot of cutting edge, but I think he looks the most comfortable at the point of the head when you play 4-2-3-1. And everyone will say, no, Cavani does. Cavani's the player that you play there because he gives you more work rate. But then you have to say, well, what do you do in Martial? Do you just do you bench him or just simply say that's the end of your life at Manchester United and I'm not playing you anymore? You've got to find the correct balance uh, as I said, I think Cavani is a bench guy. I think at his age, you can bring him in. He'll give you good minutes, give you goals from the bench, give you real quality. I still want to see Martial starting matches as the centre forward. If you play 4-2-3-1, if you want to play a diamond, then there's then it's up for grabs, isn't it? Then you might play, say, Cavani and Rashford or Cavani or Greenwood. And I think Greenwood playing today, you know, it shows that maybe in Ole's head that he's getting back to in training where maybe he wants him to be, obviously, after all the things that he's had to deal with in the last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Let's move on to City and the, the last sort of topic. City were pragmatic, weren't they? What I saw today was, I've never seen this from Pep Guardiola, it's a manager that almost was happy just to keep it tight and take the point and move on. And it felt, it feels like with City at the moment, lacking a bit of intensity, a bit of form, he's never really had to do a rebuild before as well. Taking all these things into consideration, should United probably have pushed forward for the victory? Should they have done a little bit more? I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate because I'm just thinking about it now. I've never seen City in a long time. I'm talking since, what, maybe over a decade now where City haven't come to Old Trafford and at least tried to play a little bit or been the more dominant one. But I sat there comfortably and I thought at halftime, City are there for the taking. But Guardiola was very, very pragmatic. Not very Pep Guardiola-like. As if he was thinking, right, Manchester United are going to play this way. I've got to make sure that Bruno Fernandes doesn't run into the pockets of space. I need to make sure that we don't let Mason Greenwood onto his left foot. Make sure that Rashford doesn't make those runs in behind. He's almost as if he was more worried about what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was going to do than actually, right, this is what Man City are going to do. They're going to dominate the ball. De Bruyne is going to be... I mean, he played very high today. He's going to be picking up the spaces, uh, you know, those pockets between the, the defence and the midfield. That was quite odd for me to see. And does that change things a little bit when you're looking back, perhaps let's say in two, three weeks time, you thought, right, that point against City probably should have been three points. Or am I no. just 
I'm I just I, doing a bit of revisionism because I'm saying, look, City were poor today. You know, it could have won. I'm just, look, I'm just, I'm just throwing a few things around because I do yeah. think a half-time game was there for the taking. I think while we always say a point against City is a good point, I think we could have come out with three points there. Yeah, I think you're looking at it from idealism. That's the idealistic way of kind of what would have happened. So at the end of the game, we can now look back and say, well, City weren't great today. Should United have done a little bit more? It's pointless. It's pointless. You, you, you set up to play how you're going to play to your game plan and you execute and you either win a game or you don't. You know, and there's plenty of times where United have played fantastically in matches going all the way back to Sir Alex era and beyond and played great and lost because that's what happens in football. You can't win every game. And then there's situations like today where you think, oh, if you just got one extra chance, you know, could you have won the game? Of course you could have. But in retrospect, it's just it's just devil's advocate. I always think in sport in general is pointless because you can only make the decision at that moment of what you're doing. I'll say this about Pep. I've followed Pep's football all the way back to Barcelona. I used to cover Barcelona back in the days when he was at the football club. Uh, I was a big advocate and fan of how he set up. People used to say to me all the time, you know, of course you're going to win everything with Messi and all of those players in there. But the way that he set Barcelona up, taking them on from the Van Gaal, the Rijkaard era, the kind of Dutch foundation of that football club, that came from him, a guy who learned under those managers or learned under that system at Barcelona. And he took that forward, took it to, to Bayern, did really well at Bayern, you know, won everything but Bayern, win everything even when they're not that good. So it wasn't really much of a challenge. And he did it again at Manchester City and taking them to become one of the best teams in the world. What you will say is this. When you look at Ole, we talked about here, if he loses a game, we talk about sacking him again. You know, he seems to be the only manager that gets sacked every week at his, at his football club by his own fans. But with Pep, yeah, there's a bit of grace there. But if you lose four times in a row to Manchester United, people start to talk. So he knew today that he couldn't do that. And I think also, when you look at Guardiola at his very best, it's when everything is just there and clicking and, you know, popping away. What did Pep not have today? He didn't have Vincent Company. He didn't have David Silva. He didn't have Sergio Aguero. Three world-class players that get in every team in the world. And when you lose that quality, you have to replace them. And if you replace them with John Stones, and then you can't, you start kind of adding through it and looking at players and you think, well, this Phil Foden, is he as good as David Silva? Well, my opinion is, not a chance, not even 10%. He's a decent young English player. So do I play him today because he could do the silver role? Nope. Does Jesus do the same role and do it as well as Aguero? Nope. So you have to look at these things as a manager and be honest. And he sees him in training and he will have that in his head thinking, this isn't my team from two or three years ago. That was maybe the best team in the world at that point. At the start of the season, I said that Manchester City is still my favourites to win the league this year. because I, I Yeah. And I said that because I said, I think Liverpool will get injuries because they've been lucky for two or three years. Here we are. Liverpool have got injuries. But what have Liverpool done? They've maintained results. They're still at the top or or near as they need, need to be at this stage. City, on the other hand, are in transition. You know, they've bought new players to the club. They're still bedding them in. They haven't got a lot more bite. They've still got great players. Sterling, Mares, De Bruyne. Players that you know will play themselves into form in the next few weeks. The City will start winning again. But again, as we just said here about Ole, it's the same for Pep. You don't come to Old Trafford and say, do you know what? We're coming here to burn Old Trafford down. You go there not to lose first and foremost and look after the ball. City did look after the ball, but they did it at the expense of maybe being more creative. I think you've got to give Ole credit to that because, you know, if you go to another football team, I'm sure today City just go, right, we're coming after you and we're going to hurt you and we're going to score five against you. That's what we always do. Credit to United for the way they set up. And they showed City in the first 20 minutes, you're not getting an easy night here today. You're coming to Old Trafford. We're ready for you. We want to work hard. We're going to show that we're playing for our manager. In the same way that you guys are going to be playing for your manager, just quite didn't get the chemistry right on the day. I think there's an issue with Sterling. He's lost form over a period of time. Doesn't look as lethal as maybe he did 12 months ago. That's an open question. Maris can be hit or miss. We know that. De Bruyne, you could see today, body language, hands on hips. What's going on? Why are players not making runs for me? What's going on? You could see it. And they're the things I think that Guardiola would be more concerned about and maybe, say, dropping two points against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Yeah, that's very fair. And I think the comments do echo that as well, Rob. The Green Devil. I think we played well and playing like that and getting a draw against a very good opponent. And that's the thing. They are, they are still a very good opponent. Um, you know, Top he's okay with that. 
top five side in the world Absolutely. still for me. Liverpool and City are the two best English clubs by quite a long way when you compare them. And then when you look at it in wider European terms, you know, you can see why people think they're going to win the Champions League because they've got all the quality and all of the tactics that go with it. And also you're looking at <clears throat> the two big Spanish boys, Real and Barca, going through transition. Yeah. Yeah, they're not behind it. I mean, I would say probably right now, Bayern Munich, Man City and Liverpool are the, the best three in Europe. Top three uh, by a long way. Yeah. And then a big gap. Um, Lukesh, we tend to forget how lethal City can be on the counter-attack. It was yeah. wise from United to tight. Absolutely, I do agree with that. And Hayes just told us that Everton have just scored a penalty, which looks like they're up against Chelsea. So that's positive for us. Rob, we're going to wrap up now because uh, there's not really much more we can eke out of that nil-nil draw. But just give me your final words. For me, look, I was uh, I was happy with the way that United played. I thought they pressed well in the first half. I thought that we were strong defensively. Maguire was fantastic for me. Luke Shaw had a good game. Um, in terms of going forward, I just didn't think we quite had it in the final third. I thought we had some really nice combinations at times uh, where we played the ball up. We were quite direct, but again, lacking that final ball. If United had done that against Leipzig, PSG, Istanbul, we'd be through to the Champions League. So we see this United side can do it. Is this an important step in the right direction for you? And hopefully, do you think United can now push forward and win the, the next few games that are coming up? There's nothing wrong with pragmatism in measured doses. So today we saw United be pragmatic first, look after the ball, do the press, do their work. Now, I know that all United fans just want to see attacking football. I want to see attacking football. Haydar, I know you do. That's the philosophy of the football club. But it's not what United have always done, even under Fergie. If you play a really good opponent, you've got to set up in the right manner. You know, it didn't feel good in the days when Barcelona used to whoop our backsides, did it? Even when Fergie was the manager. It didn't feel great that we are an attacking team and we could do that. It's about doing your job on the day, you know, and that's how you create history and create moments. Today was good because United understood that. United understood that maybe they didn't understand it against PSG when they were very open and played this attacking game or kind of more open match against Mbappe and Neymar, two players that can absolutely carve you open and beat you in an instant. And when they needed to go to Leipzig and maybe keep it tight and, you know, keep it nil-nil to half-time, what happened? Two minutes gone, you're losing. So I was pleased that United set up today as they did. I think it was a good performance, not spectacular, but good performances don't have to come from you being crazy, flying forward, playing, uh, you know, a kind of counter-attacking style that looks beautiful to the eye. That's not really what sport is. Sport is about doing your job, being disciplined first, and then allowing all the other good things to happen. And I think today, Man United, you know, Marcus, stay on side, mate. You stay on side, United win the game with the penalty, probably. And that's the end of the game. And now we're sitting here saying it was the perfect counterpunch. United were, were great on the day in terms of their, their outlook. And I want to see more performances like this. You know, United need to set up and have respect for opponents that can hurt them and beat them in different ways. Not always beat them in this kind of emphatically Manchester United way because it doesn't work if your squad's not good enough. And we all know that United squad is still not good enough to be that kind of team just yet. There's good signs, I think, under Ole, but I also want to see discipline. I want to see players go out on that football pitch and play, you know, with guts. We didn't talk about McTominay today. And I think, you know, McTominay, he's not the most technical. He's not the most gifted. But sometimes when you're playing someone either in front of your defence or just to the side in a diamond, they need to be aggressive. They need to wear their hearts on their sleeves. They need to say goal side. They need to not make mistakes. He didn't make many mistakes today. Maybe one or two in the corner flag, you know, after the half time. But overall, a good performance from all the players. And sometimes, you know, taking a point is not, not a bad thing. You know, take the point, go away, go to the next game. And then you can play, you know, an opponent that lets you play a little bit more attacking, go out and hurt them. So pleased with the result, you know, not unhappy. And we move on. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Gerald, the last comment. Great show, guys. I like the work ethic today and the enthusiasm enthusiasm, sorry, showed by the team. One point onto the next. Exactly. We've got Sheffield United next, which we need to win. And hopefully we can now build on that. Rob, thank you very much for joining me. To all the listeners, thank you very much for all your comments. Wasn't the most riveting game, but um, no, we appreciate you joining us. Rob, any last words? 
I just want to also, again, as I do every week, just thank all the viewers and people who have been logging on and watching us both on Twitter and listening on Spotify. You know, we got record numbers last week. And we we're really pleased with the live feed. We couldn't believe how the thousands and thousands of people that joined us and uh, watched live and then obviously went to the playback and listened back afterwards to kind of break it down. We try and give you succinct information about tactics and Manchester United. We try and keep it gossip-free. Obviously, we talked about Paul Pogba today, the king of gossip. So, you know, that's one thing. But overall, we're just really, really pleased with the response and, you know, you guys supporting us on social media. Please keep it up. We need you to get other people, your friends, your family watching with you uh, and we can kind of take the masterclass forward and have a, a better show as the season goes on. Absolutely. I echo that, guys. Please spread the word. We'd love to have more of you joining us for our shows. So thank you very much. We'll see you next week after Sheffield United game. Have a nice rest of the weekend and we'll see you next time. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.